It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is on campus at Wichita State University with the Shockers, and we're broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. What a warm welcome. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest is Jack Abrahamian. Did I say that right, Abrahamian? Yes, Abrahamian. Abrahamian, Jack, short for Jacqueline. You are on the female track and field team, I hear? Yes, sir. And you have been nominated by your administrators for having high character. You win the Caught in the Act Award. You've been caught in the act with high character and integrity off the field, off the track. So let's talk about your involvement with the Student Athletic Advisory Committee, SAC, S-A-A-C. What is that all about, especially with student leadership? Um, Our SAC pretty much serves uh, as a voice. There's representatives from each team. Um, They serve as a voice to the administration. Um, first and foremost, we take what the student athletes give us feedback on certain events, such as this event. They give us our feed, give us feedback. We take it to um, the administration, and then from there, um, administration can do what it wants with it. Um, and then there's other people um, that are nominated through Missouri Valley Conference. So um, I am one of those people, and Alex Freshour also, and we serve as a voice for Wichita State to the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, so that's kind of what um, SAC does, is make sure that the student-athlete's voice is being heard to the administration. Excellent. And as far as I can tell, this show is going pretty well so far. So anyway, uh, how about your student, uh, I guess, community involvement, community service, charity, philanthropy work, either your team specifically or the entire group? I would say some things in the past, I know there's been, uh, they have groups of girls that have gone and spoken with younger groups of girls, elementary age, um, and we had a luncheon at one point, and the girls were just able to ask us questions, and we kind of spoke on, you know, staying in school, why it's important, um, sticking to their commitments, responsibility, those things. Um, I know that there's quite a few teams. The softball team, I believe, has spent quite a bit of time doing read-write kind of things, um, where they go in. Uh, and read to groups of elementary students and just are kind of letting them letting the kids see see what they're doing because they see them on the field and then hopefully that generates some interest so they'll come and watch them and stuff like that that is uh, inspiring to hear for all of us in the room tonight and uh, listening across the country to get involved with your communities get up off the couch help out your fellow man and women across the country it's very important to get involved and we thank you jack abrahamian for your student leadership and involvement on this campus and in kansas and we also want to thank uh, all the student athletes here at wichita state university let's give yourselves one more round of applause The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. And we push on from Centenary College in Louisiana. I'm Adam Ritz, and our special guest is William Walker. Hi, William. How are you? Doing great. Glad to be here, Adam. I am uh, so happy to have you on board today to talk about um, 
Well, I guess awards and uh, student leadership and accolades and community service and money raised and awareness. Uh, we are at a regional national conference for your organization, the Kappa Alpha Order. Uh, real quick, it's a national uh, organization, fraternity, coast to coast. And uh, do you work with the headquarters or are you a regional guy? I do. I work for the headquarters staff, I'm doing alumni engagement, trying to recruit more advisors, more alumni chapters, and really to get more people involved to help our undergraduates become better men. And it's that Southern gentleman. And I can hear it in your voice. I love the Southern accent. Where would you grow up? Grew up in Mississippi. Went to Mississippi State University. Graduated a couple years ago. Um, always felt close to home there and just, just loved it. So Mississippi State? Oh, yeah. Did I say that right? I, yeah, there's only two S's in Mississippi. It's Mississippi, not Mississippi. Mississippi State. There you go. All there right. You go. Do I sound like a northerner to you? Uh, you? You got a little bit in there. I mean, does that – so your southern accent to me means that you sound like a southern gentleman. Does my northern accent to you sound like I'm a northern uh, – jerk <laughs> i'm trying to think of the opposite of a gentleman well as they say in louisiana our sister state um, anyone north of i-10 is a yankee so so yeah i'm a jerk yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well we're at this regional conference and, and you're giving out awards today and i wanted to highlight one of your uh chapters maybe even a few specific names within the chapter what have they done to win this award what's the award called uh in lightness with this awesome social awareness and philanthropy projects that you guys are part of okay um i'll highlight two chapters in specific is one is university of oklahoma they, they will get the Most Outstanding Hours Per Man Award, which they had um, a total of 5,744 hours, which is 62 hours per man in the chapter. And that's throughout the year, different community service events they've done, whether it be just cleaning up trash on the highway, mentoring young children, um, you know, all kinds of events like that. And the other would be the um, chapter at LSU, Louisiana State University, which they raised over $13,700 for MDA, which is our Muscular Dystrophy Association, our national philanthropy. Um, and that was through several different projects, just a lot of great work, a lot of time put in by the gentleman at the chapter there. Thirteen grand from LSU, Kappa Alpha, for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And we cover a lot of philanthropies, uh, a lot of campuses, coast to coast. And, uh, I mean, if you raise a dollar, that's great. If it's a 1000 bucks, that's great. Whatever it is, it's great. Uh, it's few and far between when we hear of, of a group of guys, a single chapter, raising a five-figure check. So 13000 for MDA, that's awesome. And they had that's through the course of the year, different projects, different activities. Yeah, it definitely. And that's, they build that up over time. So it's not just they throw one event and try to raise a lot of money and get donations. They actually go out and have several events throughout the semester, really recruit people, raise awareness for it, not just money. In fact, there's another um, interest group in Arkansas, not even a chapter yet. They just want to become a K chapter. They raised $5,000 last year just to show that they're really committed to it, committed to the cause, and want to help out. Gee. Okay, well, LSU, huge, obviously, uh, in the Southeastern Conference, football, LSU, uh, the, what is it, the, the Bayou Bengals, Bayou is Bengals. Call them? the Tigers, the LSU Tigers. Uh, do you think that maybe helps a campus, or, or I'm sorry, helps a, a chapter be able to do more things to raise more money, having a high-profile campus like that with such a high-profile team? I think it does. Um, I mean, i got to think that at a small school, without that, football Saturday mentality and the pomp and circumstance of the band and everything, it's, it might be a little harder to get something involved, get the campus involved to help you raise money for, for your group. That's just my thought. It all ties together. Um, KA is definitely a stronger presence there because it's a big chapter, big school, the SEC. Everyone wants to go to that school. They want to be a KA. There's, there's a legacy there to it. So that definitely helps draw in the people. And then there, there are just more people there to recruit yeah. with, to raise f funds from, to ha have more fun at an event yeah. and, and do more for, more for the calls. More wallets walking around. You'll raise more money. Exactly. William Walker is our guest. He's with Kappa Alpha National, and we're talking about community service and some of the awards that uh, some of their guys win. And you mentioned, I want to go back to Oklahoma State. 
State the the Man Hour Awards. Uh, not that this happened, but I'm just it just pop, a question popped in my head. Uh, about 62 man hours per member is what they mm-hmm. performed in community service over the course of the semester. Two semesters. Yes, two semesters. Two for semesters to win this award for the man hours. Does uh, does the community service count? Let's say if a member, not that this happened, but if a member gets a DUI and now the court mandates that they have to do 150 community service hours, do those service hours count? Would I, they? I would think they still would because he is still doing service for the community and he is a member of the organization. But hopefully they're doing those without that. And I, I know the, the men at University of Oklahoma are very good guys and hopefully won't have those kind of problems. But So we're not saying that the guy, all the guys at Oklahoma State all had DUIs and that's why they won this award. That is, that's correct. They, they did not all have DUIs. They did it out of the good of their hearts because they knew it was the best thing for them, not only to help the community, but also help themselves realize what kind of difference they can make. Well, that's all about making a difference. You know, I know a lot of times uh, we're reluctant to um, highlight and showcase and give awards and accolades because that's not why we do it. That's not why you get involved with your campus. That's not why you get involved with a charity. Uh, but on this radio show, we like to point that out, uh, to pat everybody on the back for all their hard work so that uh, everybody else listening, me included, are inspired to get up off the couch and go help out. So William Walker from Cap Alpha, we thank you for your time. Wish you the best of luck. Uh, and... Uh, when I'm in Mississippi next time, I'll look you up. I, did I say that right? Glad to have you. You're welcome to Hospitality State anytime. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. I'm in Eugene, Oregon. They call it the University of Oregon. It's uh, Duck Nation, the Oregon Ducks, and the Pac-12. What do you call it? Go Ducks, man. Go, go Ducks, man. Go Ducks. It's hashtag Go Ducks. They, they like to call it Track Town USA, but we're trying to make it Football Town USA. Well, I, I think you've already done that. Our guest is uh, quarterback uh, from the uh, Oregon Duck football squad. This is Dustin Haynes. Hi, Dustin. How are you? Doing great. Happy to be here. You've got a radio voice. You've got a radio future. I don't know if you've heard that before. Uh, I kind of got a deep voice. I don't know if it's a radio voice, but I appreciate that. Okay, so Dustin Haynes, uh, quarterback. You're a senior. You're on the squad. You. I got to ask you before we start. What What do you mean they call this place Track Track Town? I mean, I guess it started uh, way back when uh, Bill McChesney, uh, pre Fontaine, historic Hayward Field. Um, it's got a legacy here and. Back then, football played on the track, and it was track back then, all track. And recent success on the football field is uh, slowly working our way to a, a dual partnership between the track and the football team powerhouses. So. Track, yeah, okay. Prefontaine and, uh, and Nike, the Nike founder has the – what's his name again? Uh, Phil Knight, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil Knight, and I'm probably the only guy in this entire state right now that didn't know his name was Phil Knight, so don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize to Nike for not knowing his name. Uh, but anyway, back to Dustin Haynes and the uh, Oregon football squad. We want to talk about community service. We talk a lot of, about social awareness and just being socially conscious in your community. Tell us about some of the things uh, the Ducks are doing with your community. Um, you know, we have a, a Wednesday. Every Wednesday we go to the Boys and Girls Club, and it's uh, three hours that are open for any athlete, not just football athletes, but you can go uh, dedicate your time with those uh those kids that, that need mentors, and it might, might just be uh, playing, playing some dodgeball, putting together a puzzle, or just interacting with the kids on an eye-to-eye basis, you know, giving them a, a mentor that they lack in their household. So it's awesome right there, and that's something that we always are able to do every week. Um, some other things, we have uh, 
elementary school readings, go to those go schools and read them the Dr. Seuss books. Uh, some of my teammates are are getting the books read to them sometimes, <laughs> but no, I'm just just fun and games. Uh, but there's all sorts of different events that we're able to, you know, get our face out there and have a positive impact in the community, which is just awesome. Just, just not not showing people that we're we put on a uniform. That's all we do. That we're someone off the field too, and that we can have an impact off the field as well as on the field. What's your favorite Dr. Seuss book? Green Eggs and Ham. Oh yeah, you gotta be Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> I mean, I, it was my favorite book because every time I'd read it when I was a kid growing up, I'd always want to have Green Eggs and Ham. And then one day. My mom finally put that food coloring in those eggs, and I got those green eggs and ham. <laughs> so, pretty special moment for me. So, I got to believe when you walk into an elementary school, your teammates, uh, you being a quarterback, you're actually sort of human size. Uh, some of your teammates are six, 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 seven, twenty inch necks. When they walk in, do they scare these kids? Oh, you know the kids. The kids are fearless. The kids are. More, more about trying to jump on our arms and jump on everybody and see how much weight the, the big guys can hold on them. So I wouldn't say the kids are scared. They're more just uh, fascinated by these guys and just love to jump on them and play, play around with these guys. So. Dustin Haynes is our guest. He's a quarterback at the University of Oregon. Go Ducks, hashtag Go Ducks. And earlier on campus, I heard some people talking about um, a mission trip to Peru. Can you, uh, is that right? Is it Peru? Yeah, it's uh, actually the northwestern part of Peru between a, a small town over a, I'm not, my Spanish is poor, but it's Chipotle or something with an X. But yeah, it's north, northwestern Peru, and uh, it's about 20 student athletes, uh, five from my team, including myself, that are going to go down to Peru this uh, June and build a concrete court for an underprivileged village of about some 100 and some, some people that don't have a, a court or a basketball area or for any sort of sports. So we, we, we're going to build this court for them so they don't have to bike 30 miles or walk 30 miles for the closest court just to help those kids out in that community to stay away from, you know, taking the wrong path and get involved with drugs or gang-related scenes and uh, just give an opportunity to play sports and something else that they can do. And also the court will be like a meeting place. So should should benefit the community as a whole and should benefit all the athletes that are going just to see the different perspective of life in a different country. That's amazing. That is a great story. How did that idea evolve? Who came up with that? And logistically, who's taking care of it? Like from planning it, getting plane tickets, who's financing it? Well, it's a, a company a foundation up in Portland that's called Courts for Kids. And, uh, you know, our athletic department uh, connected with them last year, and they actually had a trip down to the Dominican Republic last year, which was our first time doing it, and it was great success. So it's awesome there. But we, as athletes, have to raise a 1000 and $100 to financially support ourselves traveling down there. And so that process is done through... Uh, either donations from relatives, it's all tax write-offs, so it's easier that way, I guess. Yeah. But in the same regard, it's, uh, it's on us to raise that money. Um, it's not just given to us, and it's definitely not just a vacation. Um, from the stories that I heard about Dominican Republic last year, numerous people uh, were uh, <laughs> finding themselves on the, the porcelain seat a little bit more than they wanted to be because the, their stomachs weren't... <laughs> quite adapt to the food down there yeah. but it's and the humidity is just 
greatly different than the Northwest, what we have up here. So it's, it's definitely going to be a, a difficult task, but it's something that's you know, life rewarding and you carry on with the rest of your life. And that's uh, Courts for Kids, and I'm going to just guess it's courtsforkids.org, or if, if the worst-case scenario, if you're interested in, uh, in this organization, Google it, Courts for Kids out of Portland, Oregon. Our guest is Dustin Haynes. Let's talk football now. Uh, a lot of excitement in Oregon, uh, and it's fairly new excitement. I mean, 10 years ago is when, uh, at least in my football, college football memory, 10 years ago is when Oregon really became relevant, cracking the top 25. Here in the last five years, it's top 10, maybe top five, maybe a preseason ranked number one here and there. I mean, how's it been for you as a student athlete on one of the most exciting college football teams in America? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, can't complain. You know, the community here is so grateful of the program that's been built right now. Um, from some of the people that I've talked to that have been Eugene natives for 20-plus years, they would be happy to be ranked in the, in the top 25, and now they're just amazed that every year we're in the top 10. And they're, I know it's, it's definitely going to be a difficult task to stay in the top 10 every year, and we keep working at that because it's a, a standard that we've set for ourselves. But, I mean, it's an awesome community that supports us in and out, and uh, got to give, uh, give up a lot of love for them because without them, I mean, it, it'd be tough. we got one of the best football towns in the nation. Best football memory, Oregon Ducks, Dustin Haynes, quarterback, go. I'd have to say winning the Fiesta Bowl last year. I mean, it was not the one game that we wanted to be in, but going out on the win is the best way to end a season. All right, that's Dustin Haynes, a uh, member of the Oregon Duck football team. We thank you for coming on board with the show, and uh, we thank you even more for your service work that you do. It's inspirational, and I know you're not looking for pats on the back, but it's great for, uh, for us to hear that, that college athletes are getting involved like this. So it's not just the bad stories that are out there. There's plenty of great stories out there. We commend you and the rest of your student athletes, your teammates, for all your hard work from reading Green Eggs and Ham to the elementary school kids to going to Peru to help build. A, a basketball court in the middle of nowhere. That's great to hear. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Dustin. Thank you very much, Adam. Get socially technical with the Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. Our guest is Jim Voiles. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm fine. Adam, how are you today? I am just fine, and we welcome you to the broadcast as one of the best defense attorneys in the United States of America. You've worked on such high-profile cases as the Mike Tyson case uh, a few years ago, maybe 15 years ago. When was that? 1992, and then I stayed with him and did the appeal with Mr. Dershowitz through uh, the end of that and then did some cases for him in other parts of the country with licensing and uh, also uh, with a matter out in New uh, Maryland. Well, we bring you on this broadcast today to talk uh, in light of the Aaron Hernandez murder charges, uh, we're bringing you on to talk about your consult with professional athletes. Now, you do represent a lot of professional athletes, but even before uh, a pro athlete gets in trouble, you also consult teams, uh, organizations in professional sports and individual athletes. Um, What's your take real quick on the Aaron Hernandez situation? It's all alleged, but it doesn't look good for Mr. Hernandez. Well, I don't know anything about his uh, case other than what I've seen in the paper. Um, And I never try to put my point of view about a case I'm not working on or really don't have much understanding. Um, I I know it appears that the charges are serious. Uh, I'm sure he's got very uh, 
excellent lawyers that are working with him. Um, but those cases are always very difficult because very often what happens is the initial series of publicity begins to create within a possible jury pool uh, concerns that uh, maybe the events did happen. And so the lawyers have to work very, very hard in order to get a uh, group of venari or jurors that will ultimately be fair and impartial on listening to the facts of that case. Well, let's step back uh, before those decisions are made by a pro athlete uh, and you consulting a professional athlete. We can all benefit from this information, everybody listening to this show. So just as far as a decision-making um, uh, you know, I, I consult professional athletes as well, not from a legal standpoint, but just from decision-making. You do it from a legal standpoint. What can you share with us about how you approach some of these high-risk topics with professional athletes? Well, I've done it for uh, a couple of the sports teams, and uh, what I try to impart upon that players is that when they come to a particular location, uh, a new city, a new state, um, they have to be really aware of the local laws uh, because it may be legal in your state to carry a weapon without a permit. Uh, in the state that you are now uh, living in, that may be totally illegal. So you, you try to talk to them about really from the basic traffic offenses to the types of people who may try to hang around them, uh, sometimes how vulnerable they may be out in public when they're in these large parties or groups of people. Uh, there are certainly people who would be willing to uh, take advantage of them, both financially and otherwise. And so you, you try to make them aware of their surroundings. That, that you know, If they're playing for a sports team and they come into a city, uh, very often most of the people in the city will know uh, if a guy walks into a local bar and he uh, looks like a major football player in terms of size and the way he handles himself, uh, people are going to know that he's probably going to be associated with the team in that city. And so they have to be aware, and sometimes they're just not aware of their own presence and what happens. You know, you just touched on something that, that really means a lot to just the normal everyday person. If you're moving, find out what the local laws are, where you're moving to. And that could be as simple as text messaging or talking on your phone in your car. There are a lot of states that have laws where you can't even be on your phone in your car. And if you move to that city you could just get a simple traffic ticket. Right, and that's and, and the, the problem you have with the simple traffic tickets, very often that leads to looking into vehicles. Uh, I noticed that there was a, a uh, the police very often, once the car has stopped, they ask consent to look in vehicles. Very often they may find a weapon that is illegal in that state, although it may have been legal in the state where the athlete came from. They might find contraband that's in the car that's illegal. Uh, and, and so the, the being aware of your traffic circumstances and things that you can or cannot do in that particular state will help you avoid those kinds of problems. I mean, the best thing is don't have things in your car that are legal in any way, shape, or form. Don't carry a weapon in your car. Uh, certainly don't carry contraband in your car uh, because those things will be found, and then it's going to be the, your situation that you're going to have to deal with. It will bring disrespect to you. Uh, it'll bring disrespect for your team and may very easily jeopardize your job or your profession. Jim Voiles is our guest, defense attorney, and uh, there's been some rumblings nationwide about uh, the drunk driving laws and then moving the number down from .08 to .05. It may take 10 years for this to happen. Your thoughts? Well, I think the uh, when I started practicing law a number of years ago, the uh, 
presumptive, or what we call the prima facie evidence on impairment, was 0.15. So you can see how far we've dropped already. Um, I'm not sure that the 0.05. I hate to interrupt you. That, I 0.15. Correct. That is cr- that's crazy. That's crazy to me. I mean, in 2013, that's you're drunk at 0.15. Well, in 1968, when I started my <laughs> practice, through the, until the uh, change was made to 0.08, it was 0.15, and it, wow. it started out at 0.15. Then it moved to 0.10. Now it's down to 0.08. Um, I, I'm not sure they're going to get to 0.05 because that's pretty bare minimal. Uh, but people who uh, drink certainly have to be aware and. My, my feeling, I'm surprised that people who drink that don't take somebody who is a non-drinker to drive them home. It's so elementary or to mm-hmm. call a cab or have some kind of vehicle available for you to go uh, from bar to bar if that's what you intend to do. But people don't do that. Uh, when they stop doing that, I'll stop having clients. <laughs> Well, let's wrap up this interview with a little fun. Uh, we tend to tackle social awareness issues with a sports theme. You are a racing aficionado. You've loved uh, open-wheel racing uh, since the day you were born, 500 years ago. That's right. Uh, give us some race stories, some of the people you chum with, some of the uh, cars you, you know and have worked on, maybe? Well, I've, I've always had an interest in racing. Uh, my father... Uh, and my uncle uh, were kind of fueled my interest. My father was in the military, but um, he was very close to my uncle, and my uncle was one of the founders of the United States Auto Club. So as a young boy, I've had an interest in automobile racing, and I've sent, seen every Indianapolis 500 but one since 1953. Wow. Uh, my wife's father won the 500 in 1950. His name no is Johnny Parsons. And uh, so we both kind of come into the world with an interest in automobile racing, and I've kind of kept it up. Um, I spend a lot of time at going to the Indy Racing League races. Uh, for, I'm very, very close friends with Chip Ganassi, uh, Bill Simpson, who makes all the uh, safety equipment, um, and uh, have spent a lot of time with Little Al and uh, a number of the people in racing. Uh, Roger Penske uh, is a friend. And so I kind of just in, enjoy going to the races. I'm a, I'm purely a spectator. Um, I can go to the stands and be happy eating my chicken and watching the race. Have you ever done, uh, you know, Monaco or anything in Europe, F1? I sure have. Um, three years ago, my son and I uh, went to Monaco for the Formula One race. Wow. Uh, and it was a terrific experience. And uh, I saw every Formula One race that was here um, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when Formula One was here. And I travel, uh, and I'm looking forward to going to Spa and some other Formula One races, which uh, now that we have one in Austin, Texas, that's kind of a new venue for us. So, When you were in Monaco, was it a fried chicken crowd? Did you wear an Indy 500 T-shirt? I did not wear an Indy 500. <laughs> we had to wear a sport coat uh, to go to the paddock, uh, and it was certainly a, a champagne crowd. Uh, the, the, um, but they did have croissants, which I did like. <laughs> That is great. Jim Boyles, we can't thank you enough for your insights, both on racing and with uh, decision-making from uh, a legal perspective. Jim Boyles, defense attorney, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Adam. This is Matt Campbell, head coach of the Toledo Rocket Football, and you're listening to The Adam Rich Show. 
And our guest is Katie Hardigan. Hardigan. Katie Hardigan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. You're on the soccer team? Yes. Did I get that right? Okay. And how'd the soccer season go? Um, we did pretty good. Um, we're going to do better next year. Definitely. Better next year. That's a great way of saying the team just laughed when I asked how'd the soccer team do. Okay, we're bringing you on the show to honor the student-athletes at Penn State Altoona for their community service with the Penn State Dance Marathon. Tell us about uh, your work with the Penn State Dance Marathon. Um, I worked um, all year with Thon and the organization here. And with all the hours that all of us put in, we were able to raise a lot of money, and I was able to be honored and picked as a dancer. Um, so I was on my feet for 46 hours, no sleeping, um, dancing and raising money for pediatric cancer. And you, so you went to State College and danced for, for the whole weekend, and uh, what was your best uh, memory or takeaway from that weekend? Did you get to pick a song? Did you do the chicken dance? Um, I didn't do the chicken dance, but um, we have a line dance that's made up. Um, throughout the 46 hours, you do it like every hour, so... That was probably one of the best memories, like memorizing the dance and doing it and staying active the entire time. So up until the actual dance marathon, you raised money in the Altoona community. How much money was raised? Um, Altoona's organization, we raised over uh, um, 100 grand. So um, that was, and we broke a record of any Commonwealth campus. So that was a pretty big honor for us. That was, the number was $100,000. Let's have a round of applause. And I did read that uh, your $100,000 went into uh, the record-breaking over $12 million that was raised uh, with all the Penn State uh, Splinter campuses for Dance Marathon. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We wish you the best of luck with the soccer team. Let's have one more round of applause for Katie and Penn State University Altoona. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.